you guys. It's amazing. Um, at uh, 6.57 this morning, um, this woman next to me wakes me up <laughs> and says, uh, you're speaking at Iron Man of God. And I said, what? She said, you're speaking at Iron Man of God. And I said, when? And she said, now. And I said, I better call David. I was at 6.57, brother. So thanks to our wives, right? They're amazing. Um, so if I, if I start and, we, and, and you find yourself in the sermon on Palm Sunday, just stop me and go, wrong one for the week. We're, we're going back. Um, you know, when, when, when we looked at the journey that you guys are going through here uh, in terms of the different topics that you get to explore, uh, the one that uh, we get to deal with today is the topic of integrity. And it was really a topic that, uh, for me personally, I was like, man, if, if, if I get to pick one, that certainly is one I would love to pick. And, and the reason that I love this particular topic is, again, because... I think in many ways uh, we misunderstand, uh, or perhaps, better, better put, we have a very limited view of what it means to be a person that is full of integrity. We have typically dealt with this issue in a sliver of its intended magnitude and its intended wonder. So how do we deal with integrity? When we say the word integrity, what is it that we typically gravitate to immediately, right? We, we gravitate toward a moral code. We gravitate toward a, uh, a, a way of, of behaving. We gravitate toward being honest or, or being uh, a person that is going to do what is right. And, and is that, in fact, what integrity is? And, and the answer is yes. That is, in fact, what integrity is. In fact, uh, you know, I, I love the Bible and I love dictionary.com um, because both give us deep insights into the way we utilize language. Uh, language is nothing more than a tool to um, place meaning onto things. And so language is very important. When we understand what a word means, it helps us to be able to enter into that space and live in that word rightly. So here's what integrity means, dictionary.com, adherence to moral and ethical principles, soundness of moral character, or honesty. Okay, so if that is what integrity is, then if we stand here and we spend the next 15, 20, 30 minutes talking through how we are going to be men that are going to adhere to moral code and principle uh, in our workplaces, in our homes, in our neighborhoods while we drive on the roads, and how we are going to ultimately make sure that we're honest, then we will have some time here together. You guys will be reminded of some things that you already know. You will be challenged again to make sure when you're at work that you make some good decisions despite the temptation to make other decisions that will produce more lucrative uh, realities for you. And hopefully for a week or two, or maybe a month or two, you will actually live in that space. But what uh, concerns me about this particular limited definition of integrity is that it drives us back to a place where we tend to go as people who follow Jesus uh, that isn't the healthiest space for us, and that's this. Jesus comes to planet Earth. 
He lives an extraordinary life uh, on our behalf that we could not live, actually fulfilling the full definition of integrity, the adherence to a moral and uh, code and, and principles in a way we could never do, will never be able to do while on this planet. And then he dies a extraordinarily horrific death. He is spiritually separated from the Father, uh, experiencing what we should have in our spiritual death. Uh, and then he rises from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And he does all of this to effect for us the privilege of having intimate relationship with the God of the universe. And we come to him trying to live by a better moral code than we did before we knew him. Like This is our tendency. We come to him and say, now that you've died for me, I will be a better person. <laughs> I, I didn't die to make you a better person. Like, I, I just, that, 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 that was not the, the big aha moment. I, I died so you can have intimate relationship with, with me and in that intimacy with me that you could find your wholeness, that you could find who you are and that you can live out of who I am through you now. I didn't die so you can be a better person. And, and, and so we bring to God our morality, we bring to God uh, our production, we, instead of spending ourselves on building our own kingdom, we say things like we spend ourselves on building God's kingdom now. And so we become essentially a group of people still doing what we did before on some level. We just do it with a slightly different bent now. We do it for him instead of for ourselves. But I think part of the, part of the reason why that's problematic is because it drives us into a place where we really essentially continue to live as we did before we knew Jesus in the sense that we are driven as Americans, Westerners, to produce because we live, part, we, we live in a consumer culture. So what, what makes you valuable, what makes me valuable is that I consume. Otherwise, we're useless to this culture because this culture functions on consumption. No consumption, no economy. No economy, no stability, no stability, no safety, no safety, no life. And so consumerism, uh, so therefore materialism is, is our God because it produces economy which produces life. And so if you are a consumer culture, the most valued people in a consumer culture are those who consume. The second most valuable people are those who produce because you can't consume what's not produced. And so we come to God with the same attitude. Now that you've saved me, I will produce great things for you. In other words, here's how we say it spiritually, I will go for you, right? Because is it not that Jesus said we should go? Isn't that the big idea of the entire Bible? That Jesus died so we can go. And, and may I say, no, it's not the big idea of the Bible. We think it's the big idea of the Bible, but it turns out Jesus only said to go in single verses twice. He spent entire paragraphs, entire, entire sermons on what it means to come to him, to, to be with him, to rest with him. In fact, his entire paradigm with the disciples were stay with me. Don't go, stay with me. And on occasion, I'll send you out for a minute or two and then you can come back. Now, when he left, certainly they went then. But actually what Jesus did a whole lot was not talking about their going. He talked about the Holy Spirit who's gonna come and be with them and to, for them to be with the Spirit. And then in the rest of the New Testament, you know how much writing is done about us walking in the Spirit, abiding in the Spirit, being with the Spirit? So what on earth does all this have with to do with integrity? So integrity is going and, 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 and being so. It, it turns out 
in dictionary.com, that's just the first definition of integrity. You know there's more definitions of integrity? That's what I love about dictionary.com. They always have more than one definition because apparently they can't simplify. <laughs> but that's good because these words aren't simple, right? So here we go. Adherence to moral and ethical principles, soundness of moral character, honesty. We got that one already. The state of being whole. Take that in for a second. Integrity. The state of being whole, entire, or undiminished. That's a definition. In other words, to preserve the integrity of the empire. That's the sentence they're using. The state of being whole, entire, or undiminished. When you and I are whole, we are entire, and we are undiminished, then we are living in a state of integrity. We are, we'll put it this way, full of integrity. See, when I say, are you full of integrity? You think I mean, are you honest? And I go, I don't mean, are you honest? I mean, are you whole? I mean, are you entire? I mean, are you undiminished? Because then you are in a state of integrity. Listen to the third definition of integrity. It takes us to the next evolution of this word. A sound, unimpaired, or perfect condition, the integrity of the ship's hull. Hmm. A sound, unimpaired, or perfect condition. Now I'm starting to like this word. Now this word is aligning with what I understand the gospel to communicate to me when it talks about the great work of redemption that Jesus effected on my behalf. See, when Jesus died for me, he didn't die for me so that I could be an adherer to a moral code. That was not, he didn't die so I can do the law. Well, I gave you the law. You couldn't do it. So I died for you. Now you can do it. That is not the gospel, folks. That's not what the Bible says. In fact, wait for it. This is going to blow your mind. Romans chapter 7 says, now that I've died for you, you are set free from the written code. You can go read it. Romans chapter 7. You are free from the written code. You now have the Spirit of God who is your code, and He will empower you to a whole different way of life. You see, the idea of the gospel is that because of the great work of Jesus that he has effected on our behalf, making us right with God so we can have intimate relationship with God, and then the gift of the Holy Spirit that we receive at conversion when we come to know Jesus that resides with us and in us to be our moral code, if you will. In other words, to guide us and to lead us through the beauty of his written word, that entire dynamic is designed to make us whole. It's designed to make us undiminished. It's designed to make us uh, a, a people that are perfect. Not in perfection as we tend to align it again, moral code, moral code, but in perfection in the righteousness of Christ, which changes the entire way we see the world, the entire way we see ourselves, the entire way we see all that we do, and so we begin to do very differently. 
But what we tend to find ourselves doing is as soon as we start doing again, we start going, we get captivated by what we've always been captivated by, which is the production of things. And so quickly we forget that the point is intimacy with God, not doing things for God. And so we just keep doing and we don't do much intimacy. You see, at the end of the day, what I've begun to realize is for me to stand and say, I am a man full of integrity, should not equate primarily to how I am behaving in my workplace or in my community or in my family. It should have to do with who I am in Christ today, where I stand in my intimacy with God. You see, when I say I'm a man full of integrity, what I want to learn to do is I want to learn to say that word in the context of I am a man that in my state of being is whole, entire, or undiminished. I am sound, unimpaired, and perfect. My hull is full of integrity. Now, here's the crazy kicker. If definition number two and definition number three are in place, they are intact. I am whole, I am undiminished, I am sound. What do you think is going to happen to definition number one? The adherence to principles and being honest. Number one is going to be a cakewalk. Number one is just going to happen. See, and, and here's the paradigm shift for me that has occurred in the idea of integrity. My job is not number one. My job is number two and three, insofar as not even being my job, Jesus did the work to make me whole, but I am to live in my wholeness, meaning I am to live in Christ, I am to live in intimacy with God, I am to walk in the Spirit. And when I walk in the Spirit, when I work at intimacy, then guess what will be produced as far as what comes out of me? Integrity. Integrity in its full form. I will live whole. I will live sound. I will live undiminished. I will live in these places and out of that wholeness that is Christ, that is the Spirit of God in me, will be born adherence to what is good and right. Not adherence to a moral code as much as to what is good and right. Because God's rightness produces freedom in life. See, even the moral code, the law, is not designed to keep us in line. It is designed because it produces life and freedom. When I do the things in the Ten Commandments, for example, they produce life and freedom. Don't kill people. That's good. That's an obvious one. It produces life when you do that. When you don't do that, it produces death. Don't commit adultery. Well, that one produces a great deal of death, uh, or if you don't do it, life. Don't steal other people's stuff. Well, when you steal other people's stuff, that's not helpful. Doesn't produce freedom in life, does it? I can go on and on. The point is the moral code does not exist, so we will behave. Jesus did not die so he can produce a bunch of followers that behave themselves. Why did Jesus die? Galatians 5.1. If you know me, you know this is probably my favorite verse. Um, there's others that are my favorite. My wife always says, don't say that. They're all your favorite. You can't say, this one's my favorite. This is my favorite. But this one is my favorite. <laughs> Galatians 5.1. It is for freedom 
that I have set you free. There's no more to that verse. It is for freedom that I've set you free. This is the most extraordinary encounter I have with Jesus every day. For him to look at me right in the morning, grab me by the throat gently and go, Hey, Renaud, I set you free today so you could be free. So please don't enslave yourself again to either a moral code or to lawlessness. Don't be an idiot, a fool, and go live the way you want to live. And don't live under the legalism of a moral code. Live in me. Because I've made you free. And then live free. Come into the day, be whole in me, and watch what happens. See, so I say all of this and you go, are you making this stuff up as you go? Is that how this works? Like, no, 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 I'm not making this stuff up as I go. Uh, it turns out this is exactly how the authors of the New Testament communicate about our life. So Jesus communicated this way. Do you guys remember John chapter 15? You go, John chapter 15, wait, I've memorized it. I know, I know you haven't, so don't worry. I hate when people, you guys all know John chapter 15. People do that to me all the time. You know, you know, um, you know Ezekiel 12? I'm like, do I look like I know Ezekiel 12? I mean, I'm happy to go read it. I'm sure I've read it before, but I don't, I don't, I'm not like some super pastor person that I just, I just know scriptures apparently. So I, I hate when people do that to me, so I'm not going to do it to you. John chapter 15 is the story of Jesus saying, I am the vine, you are the branches. And, and this is what he literally says in that chapter. If you don't abide in me, you won't bear any fruit. But if you abide in me, you'll bear lots of fruit. And I made you, this is the cool part. So we always read that chapter like, I better, I better abide in him, otherwise he's going to cut me off and throw me into some fiery thing. But actually at the end of that entire chapter, go read it. Uh, he's talking to the disciples there, and then he says this, but don't worry, I made you to abide in me. In other words, look, you're stuck with me. You're a branch, I'm, I'm, I'm the vine, it's awesome, I died so you could abide. I didn't die so you could produce, I had died so you could abide, but now in the abiding you will produce. And, but then he says, now your work, your joy, your privilege is the work of abiding, not the work of producing. When you abide, fruit will be produced. When you are whole, undiminished sound, then you will adhere to what is good and right because you will live free because you will live by the Spirit. So John chapter 15, Jesus unpacks the entire thing about abiding. Remember Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest for your souls. My burden is light. My yoke is light. My way is light. Learn from me, and you will be free. That was my paraphrase of that verse. But Jesus is constantly saying, if you want to be whole, if you want to be undiminished, if you want to be sound, if you want to be full of integrity, then come sit with me. Come be with me. Come abide with me. Come hang out with me. Come just come, be, be full of me. And then you will be full of integrity. And then, P.S., you will adhere to what is good and right. To try to make a decision in your office place to do the right thing when you're tempted to do the wrong thing is, a, is an important work, but it is a dangerous work when it is done out of self. If you are trying to be full of integrity by doing what's right every day, it's an exhausting work. But if you are abiding in Christ, in freedom, living freely, then it is a fruitful work. A fruit-born work out of Christ. So, in Galatians, 
Paul is writing, and this is really for me um, in our context, since Jesus isn't actually walking on the planet anymore, in our context, this is, um, this is for me where we live in terms of integrity, in terms of abiding. Here, here we go. But I say, this is Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit. You will not grat- and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For those who are opposed to each other, for those are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Which is an interesting statement, isn't it? It's not like he said, if you're led by the Spirit, you will not be lawless. It's interesting that he actually says, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. So he's he's taking legalism and lawlessness and making them both the enemy, right? And he's saying, but the Spirit is not the enemy. The abiding is not the enemy. And then he says... Now the words of the flesh are, and then he goes into an incredible list of terrible things, but things that we find ourselves tempted by, tempted into, tempted with. So they may be terrible things, but they sit right in front of us every day, right? And this is you know, that, that part that you guys have probably heard before. So you got envy and rivalry and anger and division and drunkenness and impurity and sexuality and all sorts of crazy stuff. And and then it says this, but the fruit of the spirit is, and I love the word is there, by the way, just a little side note. The spirit doesn't have a bunch of fruit. He is a singular fruit and it is all these things. Like you would say an orange is orange, but it's also kind of rough, but it's also juicy, but it's also... This is just the fruit of the Spirit is the fruit singular of the Spirit is all of these things. So it's not like, I've got one of the fruits of the Spirit. I'm patient. No, you got a piece of a fruit or a part of the fruit. Listen to this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So let me ask you this. Let's go back to our limited view of integrity prior to our expanded view of integrity. Ready? Integrity is adhering to a moral code and doing what is right and being honest. Okay, so let's just take that definition. Do you think if what was bleeding out of you every day, just this is what came out of you, this is it, this is what came out of you, do you think you'd be fulfilling that definition of integrity? Here it is, okay? You are loving, joyful, at peace, you're patient, you're, you're good, you're kind, you're faithful, you're gentle, and you're self-controlled. Do you think that what would come out of you is that you are adhering to what is good and right? I'm like, yeah, if I were living that way, I mean, if, if, go to your wife if you're married and say, hey, if from now on, like, I'm just loving and joyful and gentle, kind, good, faithful, self-controlled, How's that going to go for you? Would you like that? I mean, that's just my way with you from now on. That's it. I'm just, I'm always, you can always define me by these words. 
like singular, not like today's gentle but not patient. No, I'm all of them all the time. Mm. Do you feel like uh, I'd be full of integrity? She goes, uh, yeah. Go to your workplace and say, ladies, gentlemen, from now on, I'm going to be joyful and loving and kind and good and faithful and patient. I'm going to be self-controlled. You all feel like that's going to be a good thing for you all. See, when we are full of the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, abiding in the Spirit, and what comes out of us is the fruit of the Spirit, then we will adhere to the things of the Spirit, which are things of freedom, things of, of, of what is right, and they are these things. This is the fruit of the Spirit. So, as you prepare to head back out into that big world out there that's waiting for you, and you are trying to figure out, as I am, how you're going to go to your workplace, to your community, to your home, to the places that, that are yours to steward, and you're going to try to figure out how to make sure today you do what's right instead of what's wrong. You make the right decision instead of the wrong one, especially when you're tempted because the right decision is going to be costly versus the wrong decision that will be lucrative. You are going to set yourself up for an exhausting ride. You might even get it right. Whoop-dee-woo. But it will not be fruitful in terms of your wholeness and your well-being and the wholeness and well-being of those around you bringing life. It will be a journey of legalism in a less terrible form. But if you leave here and you say, you know, Jesus didn't die, so I'll behave myself. Jesus didn't die, so I'll adhere to a moral code. Jesus didn't die, so I'll get it right. He died so I could be intimate with him. He died so I could be full of him. And in being intimate with him and full of him, I will be whole. I will be undiminished. I will be sound. I will be full of integrity. And the fruit of being full of integrity will be the adherence to what is good and right without effort so that what is produced out of that adherence is freedom for those around me and freedom for me. Because when he died, he said, I set you free so you can be, you can all say it, free. free. So today, don't work at integrity. Work at intimacy with God. That's a different work. Take some time out of your day to be intimate with God through the disciplines of the faith, through the word of God, through the spirit of God. Just pray for a few minutes. Just stop for a few minutes. Just breathe for a few minutes and tell yourself, remind yourself, when I am full of God, I am full of integrity because I will be whole, entire, undiminished. I will be sound, unimpaired, and perfect. And what will be born out of me is adherence to what is good and right, and then freedom. And I will be an ambassador of freedom, an ambassador of Christ. And I will be free. And then we will say, I am a man full of integrity. Thanks, guys.